service. Good morning and happy Monday, Discos. Welcome to our newish weekly advance mini episode. The first communique of the week between you and yours truly. The place for us to set the table for everything we're going to be discussing and listening to this week, specifically this week's full episode of Disgraceland on Merle Haggard coming tomorrow, as always, on Tuesday, as well as any and all music news relevant to Disgraceland and its many subjects. And of course, this is where we start the conversation that we continue over voicemail, text, social media, and in our Thursday bonus episodes. Okay, it is Merle Haggard week here in Disgraceland, and uh, in this week's mini-episode that you are currently listening to, we're doing things a little differently today. I normally think about what's going into these episodes and record them a day or two before they drop. Keeps it fresh. I don't get too far out ahead of things. Topical. But for this episode, I have to record a full week in advance which is okay, except for the fact that it makes discussing the topical nature of the Billboard charts relevant to this week's subject, like we normally do, a little suspect because, well, from the week that I record this to the time that it drops, the charts are going to change. So no Olivia Rodrigo talk this week, no Morgan Wallen, perhaps next week, who knows, only time can tell. We'll see if they hang in there. Uh, Instead, what I want to do is I want to tee up this subject, uh, this week's subject, I should say, a little more fully than we otherwise would, given this opportunity. Uh, I want to talk more about Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard, for those of you who might not know, one of the giants of country music, a great singer, great songwriter, legendary outlaw character, uh, like like a real outlaw, all right, prior to his music career. I'm not going to detail Merle Haggard's crimes here in this space because we do that in the full episode. But Merle, just to tee it up, he's a car thief, he was a, uh, a stick-up man, robbed gas stations, restaurants, etc. And later, when Merle started writing songs, a lot of the themes uh, that he wrote about were from the perspective of the working man, okay? Working man crimes, sticking up gas stations, robbing gas, uh, robbing restaurants. You get, you know, working man themes later as a songwriter. Uh, songs like Working Man Blues, The Fighting Side of Me, If We Make It Through December. And those songs, they all feature the pressure that, working people feel, uh, working class people feel, I should say, economic pressure, family pressure, okay? Merle knows these pressures. Merle Haggard knows these pressures, or he knew them, I should say, because he lived them. And in particular, because these pressures are what drove him to commit the crimes he committed, uh, in some instances anyway. Merle Haggard, before he was one of the biggest country stars on the planet, was just a guy, just a guy with a wife, Just a guy with a wife and a kid he had to feed. A guy with a wife and a kid that he had to feed with no money. So in researching this episode and in putting it together and mixing it and going through the process of thinking about how I'm going to talk to you guys about it, um, (laughs) talking to Zeth about it, who wrote this up, you know, (laughs) I'm so pissed. I'll tell you why I'm upset in a minute. But you know know who pre-country star Merle Haggard reminds me of? Reminds me of Nicolas Cage's character from the Coen Brothers Raising Arizona. Okay, Merle Haggard, before he's a country star, is H.I. McDonough. He's just a guy out there doing what needs to be done the only way he knows how to put food on the table for his family, okay? In fact, as I write this and I think about Merle Haggard as Nick Cage, as H.I., I'm pretty damn pissed at myself for not thinking of this sooner when we were making this episode because had I done so, 
then we could have fucked with the awesome score that the Coens used in Raising Arizona. I'm not going to attempt to do it here, but you know what I'm talking about, that high, lonesome thing. It's incredible. We could have paid homage to that with synths and done all this weird, cool shit. But we didn't. I missed it. Anyway, from the songwriter's perspective, Merle Haggard, uh, writing songs about working-class dudes out on the margins, sometimes committing working-class crimes to get by. Uh, that's not unique, right? Bruce Springsteen has built a whole empire on that model. But the difference between Merle Haggard and Bruce Springsteen is that in the case of Merle Haggard, Merle was actually one of those dudes that he was writing about, one of those criminals. Not, that's unlike Springsteen. And I'm not trying to say that Springsteen wasn't working class before he was a musician. Of course he was, but Springsteen wasn't a criminal like Merle Haggard, right? Uh, like I said, Merle was high from Raising Arizona, H.I. from Raising Arizona. Springsteen was a skinny musician in a Jersey Shore band who could fucking shred on guitar. People don't know about that about Springsteen. He's pissed about it too. Uh, but there's a big difference. That's my point. And here, here's the other thing. You might be saying, well, yeah, but the Coen Brothers character was an ex-con. Well, so was Merle Haggard. As a young man, he was sentenced to real time for his crimes at San Quentin. San Quentin, that's a real fucking jail, okay? That's, not, that's no country club. And as we detail in our episode, and to make this even more poetic from a music history perspective, it was Johnny Cash who came to San Quentin to perform for the prisoners. It was that moment. Merle Haggard was in jail. He was one of those prisoners. He saw Johnny Cash up on that stage. It was that moment that shook Merle Haggard out of his criminal thinking and compelled him toward being a musician like Johnny Cash. How has nobody not turned Merle Haggard's story into a biopic yet? I don't know. Um, okay, so which famous musician, rock star, hip-hop artist, whatever, is in need of a biopic and why? Is it Merle Haggard? Jimi Hendrix? Prince? Amy Winehouse? Jay-Z? Who you got? 617-906-6638. Otis Redding? Tell me. I'm interested. All right? I'm interested because as you guys know, I'm trying to figure out ways I can tell you and bring you more stories uh, and finding out which artists you're into who are in need of a biopic and why it helps me figure out what you guys are into. 617-906-6638. I'm going to take a quick break, come back in a bit with some Disgraceland history on the other side. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back this week in Disgraceland subject history, all right? On July 24th, 1967, the Beatles, you've heard of them, right? The Beatles signed a petition in the Times, assuming that's the London Times, to legalize marijuana. Ah, what was once rebellious is now thoroughly mainstream. Uh, were John Lennon alive today, I wonder what his thoughts on a lot of stuff would be, but I wonder what his thoughts on smoking grass would be. 
these days. Uh, also on this date, July 24th uh, in 2022, Joni Mitchell made a surprise appearance at the Newport Folk Festival. Yes, yes, you're saying. Why are you telling us this, uh, Joni Mitchell? She's never been featured in Disgraceland, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you're right. You are right. But also on July 24th, 2022, I was there when Joni Mitchell took the stage at a surprise appearance at Newport Folk Festival. In fact, I was backstage when she was rumored to be there and everybody was freaking out. And the reason I was there was because I had just performed at the Newport Folk Festival with my friend Adam Weiner from Loka Connie and it was fucking awesome. Uh, and yeah, Joni Mitchell showed up. So did Paul Simon. It was a big thing. People freaked out. Uh, so there you go. Not necessarily Joni Mitchell, but still Disgraceland. You feel me? You feel me? This week, on July 25th, back in 1966, the Rolling Stones' Brian Jones gave his final appearance with the Rolling Stones. We, of course, covered the Rolling Stones so many times, but we first covered them with Brian Jones. Actually, no, we first covered them with Keith, but then we hit up Brian Jones for that was part two of our Stone story back in season two of Disgraceland. Uh, and on July 28th, keeping up with the history of Disgraceland, 1957, July 28th, 1957, Jerry Lee Lewis the subject of the very first episode of Disgraceland, and of course, the inspiration behind the name, the brand, the whole thing. Mr. Killer himself made his debut television appearance on The Steve Allen Show and was so inspired that he named his son after Steve Allen. So there you go. All right, let's move on. From the world of music and true crime. Uh, new warrant was issued on rapper Kodak Black for failing to show up for a pretrial drug test in connection with his court case revolving around his arrest from last year for drug trafficking. This is very serious. Waiting for this thing to resolve itself so that we can do an episode on Kodak Black. Uh, Going to have a lot of material, it looks like. Also, uh, rapper G Herbo in a separate incident. Am I pronouncing that right? G Herbo? I don't think I am. Uh, he was arrested for gun charges in Chicago, Chicagoland. Nah, not sure that's news, but, you know, there it is for you. Uh, so many hip-hop artists get arrested week to week. I'm trying to pick and choose the ones that are relevant here. Uh, if you guys know anything more about this uh, this incident or want to hear more of any of these true crime stories as they pop up, let me know, all right? Make a case, and perhaps I'll be compelled to dig into them. I'm all for making this uh, a little more uh, communal here. Uh, file this one under, uh, do you know how fucking good we have it as Americans and how lucky we are to live and to be able to create in a country with free speech or at least some version of free speech. The Iranian rapper, and uh, apologies if I pronounce this one incorrectly, Tumaj Salehi. I think that's how you say that. Iranian rapper Tumaj Salehi was sentenced to six years, again, prison, real prison, for supporting a protest movement in Iran. Um, but get this, it's six years in prison, and as if that's not bad enough, it's actually better than it could have been. Apparently, this guy was on trial and he could have received uh, a death sentence. And one has to assume at least life in prison, if not death. But he only got six years. Uh, thank God. So that's this is uh, this is fucked up all around. My heart breaks for this dude on face value. I know next to nothing about this this incident or Iranian politics. So don't come at me about that. I'm just saying you speak your mind and you get six years in jail. That's fucked up. Uh, I do believe in free speech and believe that as humans, we should have the absolute right to criticize the governments that we live under. So this is some scary shit. Um, one more note here, and this is breaking just today. Um, sad news. Jane Birkin died. Jane Birkin, of course, French musician, mother of Charlotte Gainsbourg, wife and collaborator of Serge Gainsbourg, of course, the iconic French artist 
artist. Jane Birkin was 76 years old. Rest in peace, Jane Birkin. What a life. Not sure if you guys have seen uh, A Heroic Life, the Serge Gainsbourg film, the biopic. It's very good. One of the best. I talk a lot about music biopics over in the After Party episodes, and I I just occurred to me today in hearing this about Jane Birkin that I don't talk about this one enough. It's tremendous. And it's one of those things, too, where Jane Birkin was so, so beautiful, so just extra, just so, not just beautiful, but unique looking and just a a knockout. And they could not cast. I think they did the best they could. And and whoever the actress is, God bless her. She she is beautiful in her own right, but just, you know, tough, tough and impossible shoes to film and trying to um, appear as beautiful as Jane Birkin. On the other hand, <laughs> Serge Gainsbourg, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to disparage the dead, but uh, not, not, how shall we say, uh, beautiful, uh, I guess in some ways, but, you know, on the looks, on the looks meter, you know, we're, we're on the other end of the spectrum as, as his wife, Jane Birkin. Um, and the casting the guy they got to play Serge is just fucking, it's like identical. It's on, It's one of the best casting jobs I've ever seen as far as like someone who, he, he kills the role. He's great. Uh, Serge Gainsbourg, A Heroic Life. If you have not seen it and you're a Serge Gainsbourg fan, check it out. If you have not seen it and you're a Jane Birkin fan, check it out. If you have not seen it and you've never even heard of Serge Gainsbourg or Jane Birkin, check it out. The story is that good. Let's, uh, let's get into some emails. Okay, this one is from someone called Scarlet, but then goes on to introduce themselves as Peter, whatever that means. Okay, so good day, Discos. Peter here from Melbourne, Australia. Love the show. Only recently got into it, but love it. Started with the 27 Club, have been hooked ever since. I listen at work, and it helps get me through the grind of the day. Thank you. Uh, not sure if you've ever done an episode on it or not, but would love to know a bit more about Robert Palmer, Simply Irresistible. Uh, I heard he has an interesting story, but never really heard about it. Keep up the good work. Respect from down under. Thank you, Peter from Down Under. I uh, love Mr. Robert Palmer. Don't know much about his story. My friend Mark is a big fan. Maybe I'll check that out, see if there is a crime there. But Peter, if you know of a crime, uh, something, something, you know what we do here, some way to work Robert Palmer and all that, let me know. A little more specific. That'd be great. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We asked a question about meeting your heroes. Uh, This is the second one we received uh, (laughs) on Billy Gibbons. This one from Cody Allen uh, says, Yo, Jake, really appreciate having these avenues of communication open for your listeners, and I appreciate all your work. Oh, okay, I see here. Cody uh, sent some voicemails in. Yeah, we we played your voicemail there, Cody. Keep an eye out for that. And look at that. You just got mentioned twice in two different episodes. Let's move on here into some more emails. We asked about the best year in music. This one's good. Um, I was I was making a case that 1994 is the best year for music, right? And I asked you guys what you thought. And uh, Tom Powell writes into us here with this very thorough email. Talk about making a point and then backing it up. I can't read all this. Uh, Tom, you should publish this somewhere. Um, but it says, uh, hi, Jake. Love the musical question. Sure, 1994 is great, but here are my nominees. And I'm going to read you just a couple here. I'll start at the top where he starts. 1969, okay? Here are the albums that came out in 1969. (laughs) Are you ready for this? (laughs) Led Zeppelin 1, 
and Led Zeppelin 2. Stop right there, okay? Just fucking right there. Winner. All righty, here we can keep going here. 1969, Abbey Road by The Beatles. Let It Bleed by The Rolling Stones. Velvet Underground self-titled album. Tommy by The Who. The band self-titled album. Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere by Neil Young. He doesn't have the artist names here. Or, or he does in some cases. In some cases he just says the album names. Trout Mask Replica. That is uh, Captain Beefheart, if I'm not mistaken. Stooges. Kick Out the Jams by the MC5. Stand. Sign the family stone, I'm assuming, in the court of King Crimson. <laughs> that wouldn't have made my list, dude, but okay. Uh, he's got one, two, three, four. Let's go to 84 here. Double nickels on the dime. That, of course, is uh, what? Minutemen, right? Zen Arcade, Husker Du, Meat Puppets 2 from the Meat Puppets. Let it be. That would be from the replacements, not the Beatles. The Smiths. Hatful of Hollow. Hateful of Hollow. Hatful of Hollow. Purple Rain by Prince. Born in the USA. Not by Prince, by Bruce Springsteen. Reckoning by R.E.M. Ride the Lightning by Metallica. My War by Black Flag. Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads. Learning to Crawl. Who's learning to crawl? Oh, fuck. What is learning to crawl? What is that? Uh, uh, and then two more here. I'm not recognizing. I'm not going to look them up. Diamond Life and Hallow Ground. 84. Solid, solid year. Uh, appreciate this, Tom, from the 541 in Southern Oregon, as he wrote in his email. Let's keep rolling here. Got an episode suggestion here from Rob M. Says CeeLo Green. He was on The Voice. He had hits. Then he got into legal trouble. What legal trouble did CeeLo Green get into? I'll check that out. All right. Uh, yeah, Rob M. Asked if I've been to Graceland. Of course, man. Of course I've been to Graceland. It's fucking great. Been there a couple times. Uh, Rob says, I commute over two hours a day, so I listen to all your podcasts. You do a great job. Thank you, Rob. Rob from the A28. You got it, Rob. All right, you know where to email me, disgracelandpod at gmail.com. I want to do a couple more of these. Let's see. Another episode recommendation from the 307. Enjoying your podcast. Have a suggestion for an episode since you did one on Otis Red and maybe dig into Stax Records during the early 70s when Art Bell was in charge in the time of the Black Moses, Isaac Hayes, and Watt Stax, the Black Woodstock. Maybe you have read the book Respect Yourself by Robert Gordon. The distribution deal with Atlantic Records was very mob-y. Also, Muscle Shoals Studio. Yeah, I've thought of this, some studio episodes. We did Motown, which was label. Um, that's kind of what you're saying there. I love this idea. It's a good one. I have not read the Robert Gordon book. I read something else by him. It came from Memphis. Is that him? I think it is. I'll check this out. Great suggestions, 307. Is 307 Memphis? If it is, say hey to the folks from Hernando's Hideaway. All right, from John Thompson. Subject, a band you may not have heard of. Message, I live in the Scottish borders. A band you might not have heard of is the Charlatans. They were a seminal part of the early Manchester scene in the 1990s. They produced some truly magnificent albums like Some Friendly, Between the 10th and the 11th, Up to Our Hips, Talent Stories, and The Charlatans. One of the very best live bands I've ever seen. Be worth your time to look into the keyboard player, Rob Collins. How he split his time with playing with the band to be a getaway driver and being a getaway driver for a group of armed robbers. He tragically died driving back from recording with the band. Well, isn't that ironic? A tragic loss. I'm sure there's an episode in this. I'm sure there is too, John. Great suggestion. Love it. Uh, fucking love that one, man. Nice one. Uh, remakes better than the original. This one comes from Justin Gissiner. Apologies if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, Justin. Hello, Jake. Old buddy Justin here. First, I'm a zombie nerd. Okay, so George Romero made Dawn of the Dead in 1978. Great movie. Then in 2004, Zack Snyder made the remake, 
I'm here to tell you the remake is much better. A lot. I still love George Romero. He's the godfather of zombies. Thanks, deuces. All right, Justin. And all right, everybody. There's a little there's a little Badlands email in the Disgraceland feed giving it to you as a reminder. We talk movies over in the Badlands feed. And if you're not subscribed to Badlands and want stories on Marilyn Monroe and fucking Hugh Grant and Mel Gibson and I don't know, everybody, seven seasons of Hollywood lore, true crime over the Badlands feed. Check that out. All right. What am I doing? What am I doing? I know what I'm doing. This is the second episode I've recorded today and I'm getting loopy. I think there's a lack of oxygen in here. I'm going to be back after this quick break and uh, hit you with some predictions on the other side. All right, disgracelandpod at gmail.com. You want your emails read back to you? Want the answers to come to you in the form of the audio mail? Hit me up. You know how to do it. I respond here in the bonus episodes. I also do these predictions. And last week, I said that Olivia Rodrigo would fall out of the number one spot, but we're kind of handicapped by the early production of this episode. So all I can say is, yeah, I was wrong. Uh, but it's kind of cheating to say that because as of the recording of this episode, Olivia Rodrigo is still number one. It's only been a couple of days, all right? My prediction for next week, though, she's not number one. Taylor Swift is going to top the charts next week. All right, going to wrap this. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it up, right? Is that Robert Palmer? Wrap it up. I'll take it. No, it's not. Who is that? Wrap it up. I'll take it. Some fucking 80s divorce rock. Let me know what that is. 617-906-6638. You know how to get in touch. Answer any of these questions. Number one, get ready for Merle Haggard coming your way. Hit your feast tomorrow in disgrace. And number two, I have questions, okay? I have questions. I'm looking for answers. The number again, 617-906-6638. Leave me a voicemail. Send me a text. Which famous musician, rock star, hip-hop artist, whatever, whoever, who's in need of a biopic and why? Merle? Jimmy? Jimi Hendrix? Prince? Amy? Winehouse, Jay-Z, who you got? Let me know. 617-906-6638 with your answers on that question. And, you know, anything else? Anything else? Introduce yourself. Like I said, hit me. Get at me. Let me know who you are. Let me know where you're listening. Let me know what you want to hear. All right? Uh, All your thoughts on the Merle Haggard episode. Hit me, discos. Uh, Like I said, Merle this week, Tuesday after party on Thursday. Back on Monday with another one of these advanced mini episodes to kick off your week and to land this plane. I am going to read to you the Billboard charts from April 6, 2016. And that was the day that Merle Haggard died. Number one, work. Rihanna featuring Drake. Last week, one. Peak position, one. Weeks on chart. 10. Number 2. Seven Years, Lucas Graham. Last week, 2. Peak position, 2. Weeks on chart, 11. Number 3. No, Megan Trainer. Last week, 6. Peak position, 3. Weeks on chart, 40. Number 4. Pillow Talk, Zane. Last week, Lucas Graham. Peak position, peak position, one. Weeks on chart, nine. Five. Love your number three. Justin Bieber. Last week, three. Last week, peak position, peak position. Weeks on chart, twenty. Quit talking and start mixing. Cut it.